Hey gang, welcome to episode 128 of the No Proscenium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm Noah Nelson coming to you from No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles. This week on the show, one of our special After Dark episodes subtitled Passing the Torch. What what? After Dark traditionally is where Zay Amsbury and myself use our computers to talk to each other and record it for your sake. Zay is going to be going on a, a sojourn. I'd call it a sabbatical, but he's traveling too much for that, a sojourn, uh, out in the world. Um, and stepping in to take his place in New York City is the amazing Catherine Yu. And I do not say amazing lightly, like she has transformed No Persinium. Um, as much of what you see of No Persinium is Catherine as it is me these days. Um, I mean, I'm doing the podcast and there's all the crazy stuff, but like the the, the what you read, what you read is driven by Catherine. Just make no bones about it. So there's that. That's number one. Number two, um, there's no secondary guest on the show today. We're just going to be chilling. Um, there's so much stuff going on in the world. Um, I want to do a slightly extended, I've recorded this before and I trashed it cause it went too long. I'm going to do a slightly extended bit about Patreon. Uh, but I do want you to listen because it is, it is important. So first, we'll get the standard thing out in that I want to thank Michael Huff and David didn't give a last name for being our latest Patreon backers. And I want to always thank our sustaining backers, Ross Sigworth, Bradley Smith, and Lonnie Hanson. Patreon.com slash no proscenium. Caveat. So Patreon, for those of you who, who are already backers of the show, know, hopefully, you got an email, they're changing their fee structure. Um... A lot of the people who make stuff on Patreon, myself included, we really don't like what's being, what's going on because it's going to shift more of the financial burden of the fee system to our patrons, to you guys, which makes it harder to ask people to come on board at a dollar a month because it won't really be a dollar a month. It'll be closer to like a buck 40 a month, right? Which, you know, isn't a lot of money, yada, 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 but it's not what people signed up for. Now, we've asked them not to do this. We've, we've screamed at them not to do this. Their hands may be tied in there's a bunch of regulatory stuff and like the way they're doing business may actually put them in one category or another. It's boring. It's complicated. And frankly, no one's done a solid expose on it yet that I trust. So I'm not going to pass along that information. Just know that it may not entirely be Patreon's choice to do things that way. Now. There's some options coming up down the road in that Kickstarter starting a thing called Drip. Um, there's always the option of doing more like quarterly crowdfunding drives, etc. We're seriously looking at how to structure things here at NoPro, or at least we will be as soon as I can pull my head out of the IDS, which we're putting together. And those of you who are on the wait list, I am sending notifications out. We, we are closing down a lot of the wait lists. There's, there's a, a chunk of it that's going to be left. I just want, if you're listening to know that those notices are going out, we are behind because all of us have day jobs and five other projects while we're doing this thing. So I really do apologize there. Um, trying to 
make no pro sustainable because there's all kinds of crazy shit. I just cursed all kinds of crazy shit that's going on in the media world, um, which maybe deserves its own like mini episode at some point. Um, and in fact, I'll save some of that for afterwards. Just know this. Things may change. The Patreon might even go away. Um, in the meantime, please don't pull your your pledge. <laughs> if you need to, if you don't, if you're like, oh, these fees suck, um, edit your pledge. I will honor, um, and, and it's hard for the $1 people, right? You can't edit below a dollar. So there, I'm really, really sorry. Um, I hope that we're worth the the dollar forty and and not just a dollar. I do, um, and I mean that sincerely. I I don't like these fee the fee thing. I was hap- happy for them to be taking the fees out of my cut. They're still taking fees out of our cut. They're taking five percent still out of the whole transaction. So they're getting us on both ends. There's a shift anyway. I don't want to get in depth. I did eleven minutes on this before. I'm not going to do eleven minutes now. I will talk a little bit about afterwards. That's when we shift this. Right now, we've got. A wonderful, wonderful episode for you with myself and Ego, with Zay and Catherine and myself. There, that's the proper order of this. I hope you enjoy. Uh, It took us a half an hour to get the machines working, so I really hope you enjoy. And it took me like 15 tries recording this this morning to get this working. So a lot of effort went into what should be a really simple episode. I'll see you on the other side with a big old long media rant. Hey, it's No Pro After Dark, and it truly is after dark because it is winter. And while it is 7 10 p.m. when I record this in Los Angeles, and this is Noah Nelson course, you know my voice. Uh, you also know one of the voices you're about to hear because we're talking to folks in New York using the uh, semi-functional magic of the computer. Uh, and there it is. What what time is it, Zay? Uh, it is 10.11 in the p.m. 10.11 p.m. That's Zay Amsbury, our man in New York City. And joining us for the first time on the show is... Hi, this is Catherine Yu. Who is our... Should we say lady? Should we say woman? How how does this work? Because like Zay's our man in New York City. Catherine, what do you want to be? Can it be a non-gendered noun? Our non-gendered individual. Wonderful. <laughs> in New York City. There we go. Uh, our non-gendered individual in New York City, Catherine Yu. Um, welcome to the show, Catherine. Uh, this uh, this episode's sort of celebrating. Uh, it's it's a little pre going away party for Zay and uh, sort of a passing of the torch to you. And the passing of the Yeti. And the passing of the Yeti. Our the the semi functional Yeti. Stupid microphone. <laughs> it wasn't my. It was Our, my computer. It was my computer. <laughs> we uh, for those who don't know what we're talking about, we spent. I think almost 40 minutes trying to trying to get things going because things kept on not rebooting because I'm having that day and somehow it managed to leap to New York City and and cause problems for the team out there. So um, we haven't checked in in a while though. So how's how's New York treating uh, immersive land these days? Um, <laughs> overwhelming. Yeah. Every time I think there's going to be a break in <laughs> yeah. shows being 
put on or announced. It just is not happening. Yeah, it's it's def it's definitely the fall. And I'm I'm I've I've already sort of stepped to the side of the onslaught. The onslaught is definitely uh, for Catherine full force right now, and I'm sort of stepping to the side and like watching it rumble past. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the fall madness. I mean, I I'd say that like the thing that surprised me this year in the fall is um, in New York from December to January, there are five different avant-garde theater festivals that happen all at the same time. And over the last two, three, four years, there were more and more and more immersive pieces, immersive interactive, pieces in them. And this year it seems like there's a lot, 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 a lot fewer, which I think that has to do with PS122 not officially opening their new space yet. Yeah. And then like there was no fringe festival this year. Thank God. So that I mean no yeah. offense, fringe festival. <laughs> but like in terms of the volume, like I think right. those two would typically right. have contributed. I, I think it's yeah. also that 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 because I mean my understanding is that submissions are relatively the same, but I, I think I think it's just that immersive as a as a concept in New York is no longer considered a part of the avant garde. It's like mm. we're going to plan out our season. We should have an opera. We should have a straight up play. Oh, we should put in an immersive piece. Right. And then let's do something dance. And then let's do two more experimental things. Exactly. Yeah. Like like the focus is more of the institutionalized schedule rather than the 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 hot s that's coming to town. I wonder too if uh, this summer on Governor's Island, I mm. think I counted four or five simultaneous ones. Yeah. 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 There were two in houses and one that was oh I felt really bad for the folks. It was an outdoor promenade piece, and that was that weekend. It was ninety five degrees. Oh, and so they were making God. all these kids and families walk around this. Um, replica of a refugee camp. Oh no! Well, it, well, it should. Feel it was a good. I mean, it shouldn't. I mean, <laughs> but yeah. No, I, I know. I think a lot of the Governor's Island programs—the fact that you can have a residency at this in this house—and mm-hmm. some of these theater groups program like ten weeks of stuff. Mm-hmm. So they'll do something dance and something interactive and something for kids, and then throw in that immersive piece as yeah. well. You know, for kids. Yeah. Well, and that's that's interesting because it's just now in LA that the institutional, like this year was the year that the institutional folks started paying attention as well, right? And we've got the Broads hired the Speakeasy Society to do a, a party for them, essentially. And Center Theater Group's been, you know, they brought in the people for from Remote X. Um, so they brought in people from from out of the country to do a piece about LA. Um, and there's been you know, little things here and there as, as people start to kind of, kind of dabble uh, on the institutional side. But I always look to New York as being like at least two or three years ahead of where, but the idea that like the idea that immersive is no longer. Behind, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then there's that whole thing, but you know, the difference between like environmental staging versus like, you know, really interactive immersive and, and that, and that's a whole, you know, that whole line between interact, is it interactive, is it immersive, is it both? Like how much agency is involved? Like the, the kind of questions we're, we're constantly struggling with over here about how to, how to about talk about this stuff. 
um, Catherine, you've it, it feels like you've been with us forever. I think this is a matter of the sheer volume of work you've done for No Presidium at this point. But you've you've been with us what since September, August? I think the first the nineteen thirties. <laughs> <laughs> Around the turn of the century, um, I think the first thing I officially wrote for you was around end of July, because I had just July. done the path of Beatrice for Paradise oh, yeah. Chapter One, and that was something that at the time had not really been reviewed or discussed much in detail, other than yeah. the kind of very broad stroke. So you wanted a first-person perspective on that. That's right. That's right. And then, and then, sort of from there, we started, we started playing around with with the possibilities. And now, for for those who don't know, right? So, like, I need, I want to try and like break a myth here that somehow I'm this one man band, and and definitely not. And in September, like Anthony stepped in as well, right, to kind of help with the spooky season out here, um, but. Catherine, I would say, is now is definitely our voice on Instagram, and is the the major force on Twitter and Facebook for us these days. So she's holding down the social media like nobody's business and keeping the newswire humming. Um, and Anthony and Catherine together hold down the now have have been holding down the now playings. Catherine in New York, Anthony in Los Angeles. Um, Pretty much, pretty much since the the we started uh, keeping them up to date, right? Like they would they would fall grossly behind as we did newsletters, um, and then they'd have to be updated. And now they're more current than anything. So I'm just, particularly as I've been working on the IDS with the guys up in San Francisco, like my attention has definitely been split. Um, you know, a lot less on the day-to-day of no pro than I would like. I still, of course, doing the, the podcast here. But I hope that the folks who listen, and particularly the folks who are listening and use the, the the website, that they that they give credit where credit's due. And right now that's Catherine doing f- far more work than I ever expected when I first said, hey, you maybe want to like help out sometimes. Uh <laughs> My extreme ambivalent answers for, I don't know, a couple of weeks going. Sure, maybe yeah. possibly if I have the time. I don't know. <laughs> and then the next thing I know, it's just like, <clears throat> and like we're we're a totally different house and a totally different different functionality. Um, what is it that that motivates you? I am so right? excited to find these other companies outside New York. Like it's amazing. We're getting show announcements from Austin, Portland, Oregon. Um, even smaller cities like Lexington. Um, I found one today in Missouri that's on the border between Missouri and Illinois. That's a three quarters mile trail where you are walking to Bethlehem and Roman soldiers like make fun of you the whole way. I want to do that so bad. <laughs> and it, it makes sense. It's family friendly. It's all about, oh, you know, the nativity. Christmas yeah. is coming up. Yeah. It makes sense to make that stuff participatory. Um, there's a company outside Boston that's doing a half hour Christmas themed show and it's entirely outside and it's immersive. Like you just keep, I keep finding these little pockets where I think maybe a director or an actor or someone 
potentially went to LA, went to New York, came home, got really excited and thought, oh, I can do this too. And so being able to like find and help define almost like a space for the creators to be finding each other, I think is really exciting. And just the fact that there actually is a nationwide and even worldwide community. I don't know how else I would be finding out about these companies if it weren't for NoPro. Well, and, and what's become fun with how much work you're doing on bringing things in is like that that thing from Missouri today, right? The the Bethlehem March thing. I saw that come up on on the Twitter feed, and I was just like, "Wait, what? What's going on? Where?" They had and, and they had actual yeah on their Facebook page. It was amazing. And like my my ideal my ideal for NoPro would always be that it'd be like that my that my relationship that there'd be something out there that I could have the, or that that I could have or that someone like me could have that's my relationship to say io9 or newsarama or I hate to admit it bleeding cool which are these you know science fiction and pop culture websites that I obsessively check at least two or three times a day, right? You know, as, as sort of a curative to the unending Twitter feed that is nothing but a, a horror show. So I'll just go and see, like, tell me, tell me that something new is is approaching the world. And then I wanted something like that for immersive. And with what you've done with the Newswire, I got to say, like, that's that's what it is to me now. So, like, I know some people just listen to the show, um, but I, I highly encourage you. Uh, to like get on the feeds or just just follow the newswire or like you set it up so that people could just one click onto the slack now and like there's a newswire channel in there so if you want to know when this stuff is flowing out i mean there's just this wall of information and it's it's so great to see it happening you know all around the country and all around the world and and i see like companies now are like shouting out to us on on twitter trying to like get our attention you know like today like someone was like you know time out and times of london and no proscenium and i was like holy crap amazing <laughs> like somehow we made that cut um yeah i'm just happy about the celebrity that retweeted your vr review today tell them about that noah Ooh. Oh, about this. well, that's, well, I mean, you know, I mean, he was, he's in the piece. I know, but He's still. in the VR piece. But uh, Martin Starr of Silicon Valley, um, who's the lead character in uh, Dispatch, which was the uh, the VR piece that I did a little review of this week, uh, last week, actually. Um, and the day we're recording it. Yeah. No, I saw that you put, put that up in our Slack and I was like, what's going on? Um, which is pretty incredible and that's that's another fun thing it's like we're getting this chance to definitely expand the horizons um in terms of what we cover what we cover and how far we cover um and and speaking of which so zay you're gonna be you're gonna be traveling next year i am i am on um uh, in february i'm gonna be in portland for a month and very much looking forward to seeing whatever i can see in portland um my family's there uh, and then I'm going to South America for a year. Wow. And I am very excited to, I'm, I'm almost, mostly I'm going to big cities. So wherever I go, I want to see what I can find there of this sort of work. I'm, I'm sure that it's out there and I just want to track it down and then write about it for NoPro. What, 
what are some of the big cities you're going to? Because um, I know at least one that's got a company that's that's doing work out there. So I'm starting out uh, in Colombia. So I'll be in Medellin and Bogota, and Perfect. then I'll be in Lima. Then I'm going to swing through the whole Cusco La Paz circuit, um, and then to Buenos Aires for uh, two months. And I, I know that there there must be a great deal of stuff happening in Buenos Aires. Um, and then Chile for a couple months and then, uh, Easter Island where, I mean, if there's, if there's an interactive or immersive theater piece around those heads, I am going to write, yeah, I mean, I'm going to write, uh, a book like the Treatise on it. Um, uh, and then back to New York. Uh, and then if I enjoy traveling, then I'll go on to, uh, Spain and Portugal and in Greece and the whole world. And there's definitely nice. companies even outside the UK. I find them randomly on Instagram, like Russia, oh. Tel Aviv. There's oh, yeah. a couple in Italy. Yeah. I don't really understand what the caption says, but it looks immersive. <laughs> right, right. I've and been, they, I follow them. They follow me back. Uh, right. I mean, I've, I, I've already poured over a whole bunch of sites for various um, uh, interactive and avant-garde uh, theater companies in, in Medellin. And my... Uh, my Spanish is uh, muy feo and is muy bueno at this muy bueno at this point, uh, but it's getting better. Um, I think I found a couple of um, small indie little companies that are doing some really interesting stuff out there, um, and hopefully they'll have something out when I'm there. Yeah, maybe it'll be more in the punch drunk kind of situation mm-hmm. where you don't have to speak. Mm, yeah, well, that would be, that would be ideal. Helpful. That'd be helpful. That'd be helpful. There's. There's definitely a company, um, and I think I think the dude is coming to the IDS. Um, I, I'd I'd look at I'd look at the 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 guest list we have, but I'm scared that will like break Zencaster. So I'm like not. It's just one tab away, but I'm like I'm tempted, but I'm not going to. Um, but I know we invited him, and I don't know if he's like confirmed that he's coming or not yet but uh, there's a guy there's at least one company in Colombia that i know like reached out that way so if if i meet that guy i will i will hook you up with that so please do that i will like say oh yeah i'll be like our 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 dude's gotta gotta check your your guys' stuff out well and that's the thing i mean you know you should be if if we find it you know just just whether there's a show or not, you should like be me. I mean, you know, do do what you want to do. You're trying to tell you what to do while you're traveling the world. Just there's you an opportunity here. Is all I'm saying. To put like, them under the umbrella. You know, there's a little bit of that. You know, it's we want to. We want to. Where? How are we all going to fit? It's going to be quite cozy. It is difficult. <laughs> well, what's nice? I mean, what is nice right now is like I feel like there's more. We are in an interesting time with where what's happening with the media, right? Cause, oh man, the traditional, um, the traditional outlets are being bought as play toys for, for, you know, people with a lot of money who have an agenda that they want to kind of get out there. Right. Like we just saw time Inc get bought, um, here in LA, we just saw the weekly get snapped up by guys from orange County and they just laid off the whole staff that, that there's freelancers I know who work for them. And and indeed there's people, you know, some of the most important work being done legitimizing immersive work in LA was being done by LA Weekly. Um, you know, Bill Radin, for instance, did wonders. Yeah. Um, and before that, years ago, I mean Zach Pinkus Roth, before he went to the Washington Post, like he 
you know, they did, they made up an award for us, which is what they do with those best of, you know, LA Weekly awards. So we, we got one for the newsletter in like our first or second year. Um, we were being covered pretty early on. So losing the weekly is just like a, a mortal blow. And there's, there's other people in the enthusiast press who are popping up. And, you know, here in LA, that means, you know, we've got the guys over my haunt life. We've got the horror buzz folks, you know, nightmarish conjurings, like the, the, the pretty, the, the heavy you know, sort of horror bent stuff. And so there's sort of more genre attached. Um, but when it comes to the, the, the broad swath, the stuff that really mattered for breaking it, you know, into the mainstream was the LAists, the LA weeklies. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of slack to be picked up, um, across the board in order to get things going. So it's, it's why it's nice to like have, you know, things like inside the magic, which Ricky Briganti runs like out there, you know, covering that as part of their, you know, theme you know, themed entertainment world stuff. It's good to have uh, David and Lisa Sphera over at uh, Room Escape Artist, who mm -hmm. basically you introduced us to, Zay. Um, yeah, they're super fun. You know, oh, just, that's awesome. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. Um, you know, to have them sort of, you know, I just saw them the other day, uh, but to have them, you know, trying to cover, you know, give, give attention to the stuff that's got, you know, actors in it sometimes. Um, you know, uh, Brian Bishop over at The Verge, who's got his column. I mean, this this really – we're lucky, but there's still like so much. Like we need, we need more people covering. We need more people who are, you know, really, really mindful that we're all in it together. Yeah. Um, to kind of to kind of grow it because it's it's really easy for folks to like you know kind of silo themselves off, um, you know because you can you can play you can play that game if you want, but there's this this huge huge diverse group of folks, um, and I just want to see that continue to grow as much as possible, uh, and see more people starting up more sites, finding their angle on it, and kind of running running wild with it. Yeah, definitely. And we've got you to travel the world yeah, as part definitely. of that. I mean, it, it's funny because I, I kept, um, um, as I'm leaving New York, I've been thinking about um, memories in the past and the sort of like the, the, the cycle of my life in New York, which I didn't even quite realize um, is, is very much framed by um, – by immersive work and i remember like when sorry i'm, I'm pouring a little more i mean you were sounding a little, sounding a little right philosophical <laughs> and nostalgic so i decided to hand you the bourbon bottle <laughs> <laughs> um it does go together it does uh, go together. i mean i wrote i wrote that little that little goodbye piece that ended up touching on field of mars um and what i don't think i put in in the piece was that um I don't think I put this in the piece, but I, that memory. So field of Mars was an, a large scale immersive theater piece that happened in a, um, I think it was a 10,000 foot warehouse space in Dumbo in 1996 or seven. Um, when I was it even called Dumbo then it was not called Dumbo. It was just this, like, it was just like an industrial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was just like this industrial, this weird industrial wasteland. And unfortunately, I don't have my notes with me, but this, um, this sort of arts performance art space opened up over there and they, um, and they, they, had, they developed a relationship with this, um, 
this uh, sort of experience slash theater director, um, and he made this thing called Field of Mars, which was it had a lot of the classic elements. And when I say classic, I guess I guess that sort of goes back to Sleep No More, but um, it was promenade, but it also sort of had um, an initial part where you have a guide who's leading you through these spaces, and then eventually you're let out into this huge space, all, all of these different performances that all happen in cycle. So eventually you can sort of absorb every one. And it had a fractured narrative, so you never quite know what the whole story is, but there's definitely a story of some kind hovering out there. But I didn't know any of this about two months ago. I just had this vague memory of this thing. And mm. the person I went with, I don't know anymore. I couldn't, I, I didn't have enough of a description of it to track down what it was. All I knew was there was this song in it that I remember. And I remembered the lyrics to the song. And finally I just Googled the lyrics to the song, found the lyrics of that song and then the title and the woman who wrote the song found her website and her email was on the website and I emailed her. Oh, that's wonderful. And I said, Hey, I have this weird memory of when I was like a college student and I went to this weird performance thing and I was probably drunk and I thought I was on a date. Turns out I wasn't, but the show, the show was amazing. And it's really led into this relationship, this thing called no proscenium. Here's no proscenium. Here's Noah Nelson. And she emailed me right back and said, I was absolutely in it. It was called Field of Mars. This is who it was made by. It happened in 1990, I, I believe it's seven. Mm -hmm. um, and it turns out that this thing predates Punch Drunk. And that was Michael Counts. Yes, exactly. Thank and you. You have a much better memory than seen, I do. But you've seen some of his other stuff I know. since then without knowing that was by him. Give him the punchline. Wow. Catherine, give him the punchline. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, you put it so well in your essay. I don't know if I want to spoil it. No, go, go, do it. Oh, okay. So let's see if my memory is actually correct. Uh, Michael Counts made several of these pieces very similar, dark, promenade, experiential, warehousey. Mm -hmm. And one of the early attendees was Felix Barrett. That is true. Who would then go on to create punchline? Oh, wait, no, that's that's that's, that's not oh, that's different punchline. Yeah, no, that's a so so Felix Barrett. That's the punchline. So, punch so Felix Barrett did not go to one of Michael Coots' things. Okay. He went to um, he went to a piece um, by Robert Wilson called HG that was based on the time machine that was in um, England. Mm. But what Michael Coots did do is that he is associated with Paradiso. Ah, the, yes. So he somehow found his way into escape room. Exactly. Exactly. Like that's oh. that's the funny circular. He doesn't um, do the yeah. work anymore. No. Wow. No, and he he is someone. He is he like. I, we've been talking about me probably talking to Andrew Schneider. What I really want to do, if I can do a last podcast before I leave New York City, it's Michael Coots. Like, he's who I want. Because I probably would not have written for Noah for No Proscenium without having gone through Paradiso's Path of Beatrice. That's the punchline. Zay. Isn't that crazy? I'm shaking his head right now. <laughs> that, That's very well done, sir. I did not see that coming. It's, it's, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't put that in the piece. I probably should put that in the piece, but it didn't quite, couldn't quite figure out where, where to put it in. Um, but yeah, yeah. And I, and I feel like, like New York is such a wonderful place because it, 
it, it accepts new things so readily. It like it greedily brings in the, the world class art and innovative art and weird art from all over the world and then digests it really, really, really quickly and then makes it part of the artistic vocabulary. And then it's like, cool, this is another tool. And here's a new piece that's using this tool um, in a way that um, um, that creates, I don't know, it, create, it creates novelty out of novelty in kind of a casual way really quickly. And I so love that about New York City. That's interesting because you just reminded me about two different Titanic experiences that I think I've blurbed on the Newswire. One was in China. Mm-hmm. It was an immersive Titanic, <laughs> actually on a boat. Oh, literally Titanic. I thought you literally meant Titanic, Titanic as in yeah. large experience. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. no she, she's, she, means, she means here, there, you know, wherever you are. I, I nearly did the Celine Dion. Thank God I did. <laughs> okay, wait. So, so she means so a Titanic experience in China. Where the passengers board And Billy Zane's in it. No, I'm kidding. Where the passengers board the Titanic. And they need to figure out how to survive. Like they're given instructions to cozy up to the captain or be real uh, nice to the staff and they meet passengers from all the different classes. So that's one of them. Mm-hmm. And then the other it's one. simple. Just don't get stuck in steerage. Exactly. That's how you survive the Titanic. Be rich. <laughs> um, but speaking of kind like of America absorbing these things into a toolkit, uh, yeah, we might get up, up shown by China and there's a playhouse in I think around Atlanta, but not in Atlanta, like mm-hmm. I think in one of the suburbs. Uh, oh, Serembe? Yes. They're the ones who did uh, something with an in the Saigon with the actual, the Saigon with an actual helicopter. helicopter. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and they just announced they're doing the Titanic in the current season um, that's coming up next year. And they want to sink an actual boat each night. <laughs> Man, I I, you know, they'll do it. They'll that. do it. Go bigger. Go. Like, they'll do it. If they were able to land they'll, a real helicopter each night, I. But like, I mean, there's there's a difference between like a real helicopter and like how big of a boat you can sink, right? Because if they're just sinking a yacht every night, you know, like that's not that's nothing. But if they're but if they're sinking, like you know, I don't must be. It must be more fun if they just like built one of those. Uh, classic uh, wave machine, you know, things that they have you, uh, on Hollywood backlots. I mean, experience, yeah. you get to like balance on a board at the end and like say goodbye to your true love. Yeah. One that could actually fit both of you if uh, you just moved out of the way a little bit. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Don't think the water gets cold Sorry, enough it's... down there, but they can improvise. I know it's Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. Ice. Ice baby. Well, and that's probably actually why you'd you'd be able to get away with it there, nowhere else, because like the water's not going to be that cold. Um, it's going to be a very pleasant dip. Yeah, I was thinking uh, about that. If they do outdoor shows in Texas that I keep getting announcements for, <sighs> I'm so jealous. I I really I really yeah. think that I think I think there I think there are two things that differentiate, and this is not this is not a I mean this is a very obvious observation, but the differentiate immersive work in New York and in LA and one is weather clearly because it's mm-hmm. always kind of lovely and awesome oh, uh, in so LA. so many third rail outdoor projects where I was like is it gonna rate is it gonna rate uh. <laughs> right. which uh, genuine plastic reliquary mm-hmm. was uh, like a couple blocks away yeah in the, at the marina down here yeah. and surely enough they because it was being sponsored by that corporate mall and the lower Manhattan mm-hmm. uh, Arts Council 
They would do it uh, during lunch breaks. Yeah, and that's when I saw it. I saw it on a lunch break. But imagine if it had been pouring rain between right. exactly 12 oh, and 1. Right, right. But anyway, yeah. you were saying the weather. The weather. And then and then I think I think there's something about um, I think there's something about there's something about New York in history that's that's inescapable. It's like if you're um, I went on this uh, this boat trip once where the the circle line sort of takes you all the way around the um, takes you down the uh, up the East River and then down the Hudson. So all the way around Manhattan Island. And when you're going down the Hudson, the guy pointed to the left and he said, look, there's Manhattan, there's history, there's old buildings. You can't, you can't look at it or walk through it or experience it without thinking about history. It's not possible. Now look on the right and then you'll look at Jersey City and it's all like sort of those new atemporal like uh, brutalism or postmodern, postmodern buildings. Um, and so much of the stuff in New York is about like a portal into the past. That's what that, that thing I read. And, and I feel like, and I feel like in in LA, and here I am talking to Noah and a bunch of people who are listening who actually live in LA. So <laughs> let's let's see how deep in my mouth I can get my foot. Um, but LA, like a, it's kind of placeless in a sense. It's kind of boundaryless. Like the word, the, like the two words Los Angeles don't they don't like for people who go there. It doesn't mean a city. It means these sort of coterie of different cities and neighborhoods and places and the yeah, boundaries. It's like the sprawl. Like it's a sprawl. It doesn't have clearly yeah. defined boundaries. The exactly. Way. And then as I like, as I always like to say, LA. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I always like to say, LA is two hundred small cities stacked on top of each mm-hmm. other. Sometimes simultaneously occurring like they share space for most of it in terms of of architecture and layout it doesn't speak to the it it does speak to the history of the city in a certain sense but not in as aggressive a way as as manhattan but what la is though its portals are portals into um the imagination like its portals ask for a kind of fantastical relationship to um to story like it doesn't, it, in order to feel real, it doesn't have to feel historical in the same way that it does in New York. Yeah, there's definitely a sense here often because because so many places, you know, will stand for other places, which I think it'd be really fascinating to see an immersive in Vancouver or Toronto because of how much television production happens there. But here in LA, like you can be in a spot and it can be, you know, from from global culture i.e. can be from film yeah. culture what's what's interesting though is that because of that sprawl nature there are some areas some neighborhoods that have very strong identities mm. um and there's a great untapped resource here uh you know for those communities to find their voice in this way and connect with their yeah. history. One of the more interesting pieces I've seen in LA in, in the greater Southern California area was actually put on by the uh, La Habra high schools theater guild. It was down in Fullerton and it was, um, it was a historical piece about sort of, uh, you know, the founding, the founding of Fullerton. And it had, it had two, two halves, two tracks and we switched over the course of the night. And one half was basically about the, the, who saw what first changed things, but one half was about um, 
sort of the early 20th century, the rise of the orange packing, which was like the major business in Orange County. You know, uh, the, the rise of Chapman, which Chapman University is named after, and sort of the the way the the white settlers came in and re remapped that entire zone and and their relationship to uh, the indigenous people and into the 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 Mexicans who were there before them. And then the other half of it, the other half of it was about uh, bo- about the the Mexican. Uh, about the ranchero culture and about their relationship to the indigenous people, mm-hmm. um, and it was all done at like the at the the, com- the community uh, center, like the main auditorium, which had been raised up by the uh, the guy who found who was like the the high school principal or some stuff for like Fullerton. But the weird thing was, it wasn't being done. It wasn't a, it wasn't that high school doing that piece. It was like, and so it was really just sort of fascinating, and it was it was you know high school students, but the history was unvarnished. Like they just went there. And I think about a neighborhood like Boyle Heights, which has so many issues with gentrification right now and such a tension between artists and, you know, who are, who are often not native to Los Angeles and, and the folks who are trying to hold on to their neighborhood there and their homes because they can see the, the ever encroaching line of gentrification as the arts district gets turned into condos and, and pushing forward and just starting thinking about like, well, what happens if, if Boyle Heights, you know, had, had a piece that really articulated Boyle Heights, would that be backfiring? Cause suddenly like there's audiences coming to like see and, and, and participate in that culture when they're from the outside, or is it a way of kind of anchoring the identity of a place like that? And Boyle Heights itself is interesting because like it's a bastion of the Latino mm-hmm. community now roll back 75, 80 years. Uh, it was the Jewish mm-hmm. district. You know, before they moved west to, you know, um, uh, you know, around Fairfax, um, and and then west beyond that. So LA has got this is this pompous set of of migrations, these waves of migrations uh, as LA continued to move west, um, which itself is absolutely fascinating, and it 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 feels to me like Los Angeles is just finally ripe. Mm. You know, like some, it takes, it takes a city about a hundred years or so, you know, and change to become right. And LA is older than a hundred years, but it feels now like, oh yeah, this, this one's, this one's grown. Um, you know, just, just the way downtown and, um, oh God, Bunker Hill has changed and like going back and like reading Eric Davis's city of courts or ecology of fear and Oh, yeah. So every, every time I start thinking about LA, I have to think about that. Um, and that, that book is like a quarter century old now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and reading that and, and just seeing, you know, projecting backwards and forwards and sort of seeing like this, the, where it was going and, and how, how it's changed and how those fights are still, you know, the fights about the identity of downtown Los Angeles continue on to this day. And how much of downtown Los Angeles was really trying to be, you know, a mini Manhattan in in the earliest days, right down to like the facades for intentionally made that way so you could shoot for New York in L.A., you know? Um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't apologize. It's after dark. It's what happens. Exactly. It's what happens. 
Yeah. No. We're 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 ridiculously lucky to have these two great cities to sort of contrast each other. Yeah. Um, as the headquarters for this stuff. Absolutely. And we're ridiculously and, lucky with the just like we got a new third rail pro- uh, project show this year. There was a new punch drunk yeah. show in London this year. There mm-hmm. was a new woodshed yeah. collective show this year. Yeah. Whisper Lodge was able to travel. Yeah. Yeah. New yeah. a new Andrew Schneider show. Um and it wasn't quite yeah. immersive enough for us, but but Dave Malloy of Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 being able to do that on Broadway, which is pretty amazing. And then also to be able to remount um, Ghost Quartet, just all of all of these these works that are so um, they're so big and so weird, but also so incredibly personal. And for them to be able to to go where they've gone and do what they do is just so it's just so lucky. Yeah. And uh, I just read that. Um, well, I didn't, I didn't find Sweeney Todd to be all that immersive, but they just extended and yeah, people are still cool. going. So, uh, yeah, it, I can't, it's odd that in the ongoing section for the New York listings that we are actually adding more things. Yeah. Things keep getting extended. Mm. Say Something Bunny, I think, is through the end of January now. Oh, say Something Bunny. How I great know. is Say Something Bunny? <sighs> <It is. laughs> Allison is just... She's, just this one person wonder. She's amazing and yeah. charming. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Noah. <laughs> no, she's yeah, no. Yeah, she she is. That's what that's what yeah. this is for. I mean, she, she 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 might be like like if like if you were to look at someone's like D and D character chart, like, like <laughs> I, I've not seen that many people who have like intelligence, charisma, and wisdom all at like an eighteen, and she's definitely got that. Oh wow! And she sings. I think she dances a little. I'll, she runs I'll, laps around you at some point. I'll give her a dexterity of yeah. sixteen without having seen it. Yeah, it's good. Um, and then I was going <laughs> to mention that we actually had a uh, we had seeing you, which didn't do so well commercially, but that opened and was very bold and ambitious, and tried to do some crazy stuff in an unused warehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, seeing you was I, I. I think about seeing you because I feel like seeing you was, um, yeah. I often wonder why that why that sort of m- missed. I, I I think I think it was hard for something to be so overtly critical of the America, American, but but not but not just America because you can you you can criticize Vietnam and you can criticize. I mean, once people absorb it and understand it more, you can criticize the Korean War. But when you start criticizing the greatest generation, you're in trouble. And especially if you're like a jazzy, downtown, kind of sexy um, show that's like an immersive, fun piece. And especially since a lot of people, I think, saw it um, based on Sleep No More, which has zero political content, and Queen of Night, which has like negative political content. And the choreographer has done a zillion music videos, so you right. knew the dance part was going to be good. Yeah. Right. And then I keep wondering. Was. Right. I keep I keep wondering if if that show had opened in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. because and Ryan's Ryan's based in L.A. a lot, right? Like I mean, the sweatshop if memory serves, is his spot. And that's in Silver Lake and it's a dance studio, right? So um, 
I wonder, I wonder what kind of stir it would have created here. Um, maybe as a precursor for going to New York. And that's something we haven't really seen. I mean, that's a, that's a slightly more traditional vector for shows, right? Is like you start in the provinces <laughs> and you, you, you develop your voice and find what that's, works. That's exactly, and then that's find exactly how we talk about regional theater. And then we laugh like this. Yeah. But, um, but, but on the flip side, you know, on the flip side of it, you know, I look at uh, very successful regional theaters like Berkeley Rep, which is uh, the hometown regional theater for Zay and mm-hmm. myself. And, you know, they shipped, you know, Green Day yeah. to Broadway. And, they they and shipped a Stu and the Negro project, that was the you know. That's where Dave Malloy got no. his, uh, um, that's where he, uh, that's where he started. I mean, was with um, Berkeley Rep mm-hmm. and Shotgun. I did not yeah, know he had a that. a show called Beardo that was a big hit uh, at Shotgun. Um, and that sort of what brought oh. him here. And then when he developed Ghost Quartet, it was developed um, at Berkeley Rap. I didn't know. I I knew that they had re- I knew that they did Beardo in New York this past year. They did a mounting of it because um, there's like some folks that we knew in common yeah. who were in it. But I did not know. I did not know that that started in the yeah. Bay Area. Yeah. Um, so Bay Area represent on on that national, and that's you know San Francisco's you know stepping up its game. I mean, the Speakeasy, of course, is there as a permanent uh, you know, venue and show that's running, and I think they're doing some tweaks on the show right now. It's also where we're we're going to do the IDS at, and um, you've got Steve Boyle of Epic Immersive, and he's working the Infernal, the Infernal Motel action right now, and they've gotten to remount that several times this year, which is really fun, and that's that's been a you know, we, we did that thing about, you know, New York and LA and earlier in the podcast, you know, Catherine kind of took the tour of, of the United States. And I think what's sort of funny about the two big cities is that it's, it's really hard and expensive to put work on in the major metropolitan areas. So if I, if I had to think about, you know, what's going to pop up in 2018 that's going to be really exciting is it's going to be larger scale stuff and people taking taking daring do things in like the midwest and the southeast um in in the places where you have more space and things cost less to pull off um and maybe even attracting some folks some artists out off the coasts to go work in those spaces um in order to sort of light the fire. Like I would love someone to run around sort of Johnny Appleseed style and, you know, kickstart a few programs here and there and see what sort of voices emerge where there is ample space to play. Are you volunteering? (laughs) No, actually that's what he was really talking about. He didn't want to say anything. Wasn't sure it was going to pan out. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, yeah. I'm volunteering now. We've got to find enough money to like pay us all. <laughs> like, that's a hard thing. So, got to find some kooky billionaire who wants to like, you know, throw cash at all of us to like keep this thing going and scale it up in a real way. Because apparently, that's our only choice. That or that or folks. Come on. <laughs> Not yet. We're gonna try. No, actually, I know what we need. We need someone who bought Bitcoin when it was like. <laughs> 
at like 50 cents to just hand us five bitcoins just so if you're out there and you're listening and you're one of those people who bought bitcoin when it was like nothing just 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 give us what can has bitcoin Sorry, I was, I was Ken has Bitcoin, exactly. It's hard yeah. to make a cat podcast. It really is. Well, that's what Animoji are for. for. Ultimately, this, these podcasts will be delivered as Animojis, and I call dibs on the cat. Um, obviously. <sighs> well, we, um, we started in one place emotionally, and we've landed in a totally different one, so... Um, I was very frustrated going into this episode, um, and I feel all warm and, and, and fuzzy inside. So thank you both. Anything, uh, anything you want to shout out to that you're looking forward to as we close out the year here? Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I could take that as a no, but. I just remember on a previous episode, you actively told your listeners to stalk me. So I'm a little hesitant to tell don't, people don't, what I'm oh, excited don't, about. Don't, don't stalk Catherine. That's not, that's not good. Um, well, I think I meant virtually. Still not good. At the time. <laughs> I told them to stalk. Really? Follow, Did I? Absorb, um, I don't remember. Ear, but do not stalk. I, you know, I go into a. I go in. I go into a fugue state when I record the end of the show. You end up naked in right? the freezer like, section, like Walter White. I see. Exactly. And uh, what's what's fascinating often is that people will come like two weeks later and they'll be like, "Oh, remember in the episode you said this?" And be like, "I have no recollection of what happened." And you can always tell when it hits the fugue state because usually it'll come out as like, "Oh, so I just want to thank our guests on the show today." Uh, that would be Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. <laughs> like it'll be something like that, right? You can find them at at Star Wars on the internet. Um, that was my part of the show, and uh, oh, you know what's really interesting? And then as soon as you hear that. I will have no recollection of what happens after I say, oh, you know what's really interesting. Or just you'll hear the inflection change in my voice and just realize it's the other guy. He's arrived. Um, because I'm also usually recording them at about, let's call it 7 o'clock in the morning when I've had maybe no coffee and I haven't even had breakfast yet. And weirdly enough, that's often when I'm my, my most rambly because I'm essentially still dreaming. Oh, that um, makes perfect sense. Still dreaming. So, Uncaffeinated Noah yeah. is the most rambly. The last, the last yeah. show that I'm going to see before I leave New York is Andrew Schneider's After, which I am very, very excited about. Andrew Schneider did a show called um, You Are Nowhere, or perhaps You Are Now Here. Uh, you can pronounce it, or you can express it in either way. And that show has a... an illusion, a reversal, a surprise, a moment that really, and I, 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 when I say this, I'm not exaggerating. It makes you question your own experience on a deeply subjective level heavily. So you're questioning the nature of your reality. Yes. Yes. I didn't want to use the R word, but yes, (laughs) that is absolutely true. And, um, and it does it, through an immersive tool. And I can't, until I know he's never going to do this show again, I can't describe it. I mean, it would be, it's like, it's like uh, fight club Solaris empire strikes back. It's like that, that world of, you can't, you should not describe it to another person. 
Um, but right. I know, I understand, or I don't understand, but I have heard descriptions of some of the technology that he's using for the follow-up, which is called After, um, which is an expansion and on the world that was created through You Are Nowhere. Um, he's using a technology that can create audio hallucination. So you can hear something that seems completely real in front of you, behind you, to your left, to your right, and in your own head. So what he's going to do with that, I am slightly terrified, but also very, very excited. Um, so I'll be that. I mean, do you, is it a is it a headphone show or no? Not? So um, I remember so the, seeing pictures of some sort of array. Yeah. So so if you've ever seen a documentary about bullet time, where there's like that that circle uh, yeah. of cameras. Okay, imagine that, but it's teeny tiny yeah. speakers, and there are more of them, and it's a square. Yeah. Fun fact: Go back to our mind show episode. Gil Barron, uh, he was part of that hey. team who did that oh, bullet so time. Cool. So it's, so it's a, it's an audio array version of that. Well, that's, and that's very similar. Like, gosh, you know, bullet time and that kind of array or, you know, light field capture, like this idea of using, using an array to surround the subject or the audience and, and bombard them or, or extract their data. Um, yeah. Just, there's something about that shape. Oh God, I was going to make an immersive, an immersive pun, but there's something about that shape that, uh, you know, the need to surround the audience. What's the pun? You have to make the pun. You used it. Now you have to make it. Yeah. No, I actually already forgot the construction for it. So we avoided it. We, we escaped unscathed. Shaking our heads Um, and shaking our fingers. That's fine. That's fine. That's, That's totally fine. So, um, fugue state, fugue state. Um, <laughs> it's like the modern day Twinkie defense, fugue state. Yeah, you know, some big oh. Twinkie though. Um, I know a different joke, but uh, oh. nevertheless. So, uh, all right. So, on that awkward, strange note, couldn't be after dark if it wasn't. Zay, Catherine, um, well, let's do this again when Zay gets back uh, to New York. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, uh, and a Catherine, date for 2019. Uh, a date for 2019. Exactly. Oh, I can't commit. A date for 2019. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, we're going to play that back at the start of the 2019 episode. That's perfect. So. And thank you to our software, Zencaster, for not crashing at that exact moment. <laughs> The music for the No Presidium podcast, as always, is by Chris Porter of the Society. Once again, want to thank Zay and Catherine for uh, hanging out on the show. We we talked for a little while afterwards, and we had like a half an hour beforehand where just like I was having a bad day. And uh, the show really brightened me. So I wish I could do this. One of these days, we'll we'll do this all in person, like all of us. It'll be nice. It'll be nice. That'll be a nice thing. Hey, um, there's there's a bunch of stuff that uh, we need to talk about. Um, gonna go a little more in depth into that media rant thing, right? So if you don't care about a media rant, feel free to like drop out. You know how to find us. 
at NoPersinium on Twitter. We're NoPersinium on Facebook. Everything Immersive on Facebook, which you can reach via everythingimmersive.com. David and Ricky are now admins as well. Mike Fontaine's on a break. Um, hopefully one day Mike will come back to us. Um, like, I honestly don't know what's going on with Fontaine right now. Like, like I mean, I'm happy for him. He left Facebook. Like, I wish I could leave Facebook. Um, but... Um, yeah, I think I think my haunt life is still going on. I think so. Um, it's all very mysterious. Maybe it's all involved with the lust experience. I don't know. It's mysteries within mysteries. Oh, Darren Lynn Bowsman, what webs you weave? Um, okay. Anyway, um, let's talk about the media stuff um, because things are bad. They're bad. Let's not even deny it. Things are bad. You hear those dogs and cats barking and meowing at each other. That's the media. That's the media coming for me. No, um, I don't want to, you know, ah, boy, you know, look, we're in an interesting position, right? Because um, no pro is, is, it's not a hobby. It's not really a hobby. I spend way too much time on it for it to be a hobby. It's a career, but it's not a job. And the same is true for Catherine, who's doing an amazing amount of work. Oh my God. Uh, true true to a degree for Anthony and Jessica, who, who schlep inside this thing. Um, and all of us, all of us, you know, we, we have degrees in this stuff. We are trained in this stuff. We're professionals. Um, we, we each have jobs that are associated with that when we get to work those jobs and things aren't great. Now I'm not going to stand here and like, you know, do a long, long pitch because you already know that what I am going to talk about is, you know, this, if Patreon tanks, if it goes down because of either the regulatory needs or greed, and I don't know which one it is, uh, that leaves us in a lurch. There's a couple of things that I'm thinking about right now. Uh, perhaps a quarterly fundraiser uh, using a crowdfunding platform. So we're still dealing with processing fees because, you know, processing fees suck. Uh, that's what this is all about. Those platforms are to deal with the processing fees, essentially. Um, so it could be a quarterly fr- uh, fundraiser. We do on like Kickstarter or on GoFundMe, which I feel a little silly on that because that's usually for like, you know, when someone's house burns down, literally. Um, that's an option. Um, you know, the audience, the dedicated audience for the podcast, we measure in the three digits. All right. Uh, we've never had a podcast break four digits, maybe one podcast, one or two podcasts, I think maybe have broken four digits, but that just gives you a sense of how small, right? Like how insane on a certain level it is. Someone, some people might say, well, why don't you stop? Like, it's not, you know, it's not, big enough to to hold the line, but it's a value. And if we stopped, I think we'd see uh, a lot of negative impact by stopping. Um, also the people who listen to this show are all amazing people. Really? No, you're, you're an amazing group of people and you listen to the show, you hear about stuff, you start telling your friends and that network effect, um, we count on and it takes time. And every once in a while we see a growth. I expect us in the next year to regularly see four digits listening to this show, particularly if we can like, you know, move a few things around and particularly as things grow because things are growing. The Slack has had an explosion in the past week. Uh, there's like 315 people in it right now. That was something I was going to talk about at the beginning of the show and didn't, uh, which is that we're doing AMAs again and they're 
you know, they're not like, whoa, incredible, but they're definitely worthwhile. And it's exciting to see, um, you know, um, I'm looking at the Slack right now. Yeah, 316 people in the in the Slack right now. And there was like 230 about a week and a half ago. So explosions over there. We're going to get even more people after IDS. Um, this space is growing. Ugh, space. Um, but it is. There's over 2,500 people in Everything Immersive right now. We started that in May. I don't expect that growth to slow down, really. We're probably going to be 3,000. By, by, by the time May rolls around next year, I fully expect us, you know, well, yeah, I'll say it, five, 5K, 5K minimum in Everything Immersive uh, in May. I don't usually like to make predictions like that. I'm very nervous, but I'm going to say that. So things are growing. Things are doing great in terms of attention. The problem is, is that cultural journalism is dying. LA Weekly has imploded. LAist, part of the Gothamist network, wiped out. All of these sites, all of these papers, um, they're, they're being bought by billionaires who don't care, who don't have any desire to provide value to the readers. They want to, um, you know, put their point of view out there. They're buying these things as hobbies. Um, it's it's kind of funny because you can look at what we do as a hobby, and it isn't. And you can look at what the guy who bought Gothamist does as being professional, but it clearly isn't. Because if he needed that thing, if he needed that thing that he bought, he wouldn't have shut it down. Right? He would have negotiated in good faith in good faith, something almost no one does these days, with his writer pool as they put their labor union together. Because those writers need to eat and live and survive and pay rent in very expensive cities so that they can cover the culture in those very expensive cities. All right? Um, We've entered into a really interesting time in America where culture and politics are inseparable. You cannot divide them. Uh, we can pretend to, but it's kind of a happy lie when we do. And when we do, when we make that lie, we don't we don't honor the stuff that we love, and we don't honor the people who make the stuff that we love, or who guide us to the stuff that we love. Um, that's where we're at right now, and that's one of the things that's driving this divide between us all culturally, politically, and economically. And we just drift farther and farther apart because of it. And I firmly hold that what's at the heart of immersive, I said there's going to be a media rant, and it turns out it's not entirely a media rant. What's at the heart of immersive is the idea that the soul of people the mechanism by which we exist in the world is made possible, dominated even, by our ability to share emotional experiences. Some have more capacity for that than others through 
whatever means that is, could be biology, could be experience, historiography, that's something for a debate about psychology. But there is a healing quality. I don't usually go this far, but I believe it. There is a healing quality to the ritual nature of immersive experiences. Because an experience, as opposed to just being presented with a story, to listening to a speech or a poem, an experience through the interaction, through traversal, through the act of puzzle solving, through the agency of the audience, puts you into the story into the experience in a way that starts going beyond just activating the mirror neurons. It encourages you to take on a role. And by taking on a role, you begin to see the world through other eyes. And that activation of empathy, the acting out of empathy, the play acting of that perspective it's not a full reconciliation of the other, but it opens the doorway and it lets you start to see. And right now, the thing that we don't have in this society en masse is that. And this is why I think people are drawn to it, to become unalienated from each other and themselves. It appears in different forms. There are different parts of the continuum that activate, you know, the, the horror stuff is about facing fears, about pushing yourself one way. Other genres are about finding connection, right? There's a lot of romance steeped in immersive. It's about riding the edge of connection. I wouldn't dedicate myself in the way that I do to making this work if I didn't think that there was a kind of cure for our social sickness inside this work. There's plenty of people who've been working in it long enough who are, I'm sure, cynical about that idea. But if all that was going on here was a new way to distract ourselves from the ways that the world is collapsing all around us. I'd walk away tomorrow. No, I'd walk away right now. Tomorrow's the wrong time frame. I don't think this is a fantasy bubble that we're building around ourselves. I think this is a tool, a tool to help people orient themselves in a very grounded experience of being human, of an understanding of the ways in which roles are placed upon us, identities are placed upon us by the society at large, and they can be shed like so many skins until you get down to what is essential about being human and the connection that exists when you look into someone else's eyes. Because in those fictive moments, when a character is looking into your eyes, 
It's two people looking at each other, finding a way to make the unreal real. And that, for me, that's the heart of the magic. So this was going to be a media rant. Um, everything in our media these days works against that. We are commoditized. We are made to be attention machines. They want our eyeballs. They want our clicks. Somehow Google makes all this money off AdWords. How the flying fuck does that happen? Do you click on AdWords? Do you click on AdWords? I don't click on AdWords. Who's clicking on the fucking AdWords? I don't understand. I've never understood it. Ever. The AdWords always lead you to something you, you, you know, the only time I click on the AdWords is like when I just want to like cost Google some money because, oh, that's the thing I was going to looking for anyway. So I don't get it at all. But that's the way the economy goes. Facebook wants to atomize us and keep us apart. Facebook wants to feed us exactly what it is Facebook wants us to see and nothing else, right? It thinks it knows you. It gives you what what it thinks you want and wants you to go further and further down that rabbit hole. That being said, Facebook, please keep all those short cooking videos coming my way. I find them very relaxing. What we're working towards is something a lot more authentic and it pains me to watch my friends, my colleagues lose their jobs. All right. I'm not going to go in the litany, but a lot of the core players at no proscenium are out of a job right now. Just straight up. They are. And it's attended upon me to find a way to help them. That's what the media rant was supposed to be all about. We're looking at new ways. If Patreon cracks, and even if Patreon doesn't crack, we're looking at new ways. One of those ways is we're using a Gumroad tip jar starting now that goes on the reviews and the features written by our writers. That money is earmarked directly for the writers. It goes straight to them. It does not go to me. Doesn't go to the editorial board unless one of the other members of the editorial board wrote it. All right. I'm not putting any into it. I'm going to be processing all that money. So I may ultimately be responsible for the taxes on it. And depending on how much it gets, we may have to alter the bargain. Pray it don't alter it farther. Um, to make sure that I don't wind up with a giant tax liability, but that's what the Patreon will be for as well, or whatever the regular funding is. I want our people to be paid. I want to professionalize this as much as possible. If you are out there and you're still listening to this and you control a brand or a big fund or something, and I know a few of you are, feel free to knock on my door. Let's get some sponsorship going. I'm not above it right now. Um, I've never really been above it. I've just always been embarrassed because meh, I'd, I'd rather this just be about the work. But as you can tell from the way I waxed poetic a couple of minutes ago, there is no work if the people making the work can't make the work. And our job as Sherpas to immersive is to go out there and find what's good, put a spotlight on it, help it grow. Find what's not so great point out how it could be better, help it be better. That's it. With all the work that we do over at Leia and the stuff we're doing at IDS, it's forging a community, looking at the structural problems and addressing them. And doing as much of that work as we can for 
the community as a whole, getting out there, helping the community do the work itself, and sharing what we learn at each step of the way. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Um, the basics, the music for this episode, as it is with always every episode, is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Ross Sigworth, Bradley Smith, and Lonnie Hanson. Thank you, gentlemen, for staying the course and making this possible. Patreon.com slash No if you're brave enough to dare the fee structure restructuring. And please let me know how you feel about that. Um, maybe I'm, 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 I'm overly cautious. I'm very, very conservative when it comes to, um, risk and my, my friends and my backers and the supporters and like not disrupting their flow. I'm Noah Nelson. That's who I am. This is no proscenium. And until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>